My family has a really rich history of adoption. Several of my cousins have been adopted. Three of them were adopted domestically, two were fostered to adopt, and one was adopted internationally. And I can't imagine our family without them and their presence in our lives. Through them, we've gotten to navigate all the messy, wonderful parts of adoption, from getting to hear the stories of that very first meeting in the hospital or the airport, to navigating their own stories and their histories, to getting to hear my cousin speak on the importance of her adoption story at a gala down in Iowa, to research in and, and meeting biological parents. We've had a front row seat to some of what adoption entails, both the really wonderful parts and the really hard parts. This family history of adoption, it's actually one of the most significant parts of my story. It's one of the things that's really shaped me and stretched me and helped me to understand what family is. Adoption, it's also a really significant part of God's story. Adoption for followers of Jesus, it isn't an afterthought. In fact, it's actually a core part of the story of God's people and the history of God's world. So in fact, the story of God's people experiencing adoption, it goes all the way back to the very start of the book of Exodus. When there's this infant baby born in a time when Hebrew babies were being killed by Pharaoh and he has his life spared when his quick thinking mother places him in a basket and sends him downriver. He's discovered by Pharaoh's daughter. He's given the name Moses, which means I drew him out of the water. And he's raised in Pharaoh's household, navigating all the blessings and all the complications that come with that. And then you have Eli and Samuel. Hannah prays for years to have a child. And when she does, she dedicates him to the Lord. And she has him raised by Eli to be raised at the temple and brought up to be a prophet. This courageous and brave and even unexpected decision, it enriched Samuel's life and ends up leading to David's anointing as king. And then you have Esther, orphaned by her parents. Esther is raised by her cousin Mordecai, who helps her to navigate the ins and the outs of the palace in a way that strengthens Esther's voice and results in the saving of the Jewish people. These are all such powerful stories of the difference that adoption can make in the lives of God's people and in the history of the world. But of course, God's story of adoption in the Bible, it doesn't end in the Old Testament. In fact, we serve a savior who was born in a time of infanticide, who was raised by his mother and a father that wasn't biologically his. The story of Jesus it's a story of adoption. You see, one thing I always consider whenever I read scripture, I meditate on the history of God's people is that God, he could have chosen to tell his story in any other way. God's not limited in the way that history played out or in the way that the story is told. And yet adoption weighs heavily on the heart of God. We're consistently told in the Old Testament that in addition to the stranger and the widow, one of the groups of people that God contends for and that he instructs us to seek justice for is the fatherless. So why is the concept of adoption and its inclusion in the story of God so important to God himself? Well, as it turns out, I believe that it's because adoption is reflective of God's relationship with us. 
In the last days of his life, Jesus prayed to God by calling him Abba, Father, a phrase that's later used in the New Testament to tell us that our spirits within us, it cries out to God by calling him by that name, Father, Dad. God's relationship with us, it's predicated by the idea that we have been adopted into the family of God, that God no longer considers us strangers, but he considers us sons and daughters that God's relationship with us is initiated by him to be intimate and familial. Ephesians puts it this way in chapter one, starting in verse three. It said, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as his sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And this isn't the only time in all of scripture that this idea is shared, that we've been adopted into God's kingdom, that when we are in God's kingdom, the inheritance we receive, it's as sons and it's as daughters. So adoption in God's kingdom, it is not a plan B. His adoption of us wasn't an afterthought from the fall. It wasn't a second best option once things had been broken. Adoption was God's first best plan, planned before the beginning of time so that we could have a relationship with him that's unlike anything else. It's really easy to see adoption as a plan B in our society. But what if instead we recognize both the complexity that adoption often involves heartbreaking and hard decisions and also the beauty that adoption gives a child a chance at experiencing the type of life that God longs for us to have the most. N.T. Wright calls this passage in Ephesians the larger story. And he reminds us that it's only through the larger story of God that we're able to see and understand and make sense of everything else that goes on in all our smaller stories, being able to observe God's work in our lives and make sense of it all. So this larger story, it carries much weight when we consider how we as Christians view and understand and practice adoption. If we love because God first loved us, we could also say that we adopt because God first adopted us. 
because we know what it's like to be without a spiritual family and then be invited into the family of God, we are people motivated by the gospel to give the gift of familial relationships to others. And our gospel understanding of adoption, it shapes our earthly understanding of adoption. Through Ephesians, we find several things. One of them is that we find that adoption in God's kingdom and in ours, it is costly. Of course, we could talk day and night about the cost involved in adoption, like home visits and plane rides and caring for the expectant mother and setting up nurseries and kids' rooms and medical visits. But the cost, it's more than just financial. Adoption is choosing to step into the story of parents and a child that up until this moment you did not know. It's choosing to embrace the messiness of their stories and of yours, to embrace the big emotions that come with making such a big decision, to learn how to parent and care for and teach a little life, to take on the potential of emotional heartbreak, last minute changes, and the scary unknown of parenting. And it's for that reason that adoption isn't something that we ever take lightly. Adoption is a really big decision. But what's beautiful about our understanding of adoption in Ephesians is what we learn about God and his relationship with us through it. That God before the foundation of the world, knowing everything about us, knowing all the ways we'd fall short, all of the hard emotional nights that we would battle with what we want and what he calls us to, all of the moments of repentance and forgiveness, God knows all of that before the beginning of time and still he chooses us. And in choosing us, God knows the cost. He knew the cross was going to be necessary he knew the sacrifices that would be involved and still he chose us. So when we're invited to participate in earthly adoption, we're invited to practice the heart of God by choosing to step into an often messy and sometimes painful story, to anticipate all the sleepless nights, all the big emotions, all the processing of family histories, all the longing to know home, the financial cost, we're invited to see and practice what it looks like to know the cost and to choose it willingly. But adoption, it's more than just costly. Adoption is significant. A few weeks ago, my counselor said something remarkable. She said that the two most important things that we mark in our lives are entrances and exits into the family system. And when you think about it, adoption involves both an entrance and an exit in a family system. For one family, both of those happen at the same time. There's this entrance of a child into the family system and the exit of that same child sometimes within the same day. And for the other family, there's this entrance of a new child. And marking these moments, it is actually a key part of how we process our world, being able to mark entrances and exits into family systems. Knowing that entrances and exits matter, it adds importance to our family lineage. We have to mark those moments. Two families' lives change forever in adoption. And whether it's a closed adoption or it's an open adoption, those two families, they're forever inextricably linked. They share a child. Adoption is also significant because a family makes a lifelong commitment to raising a child. 
to loving them and teaching them and caring for them. Some of my absolute favorite adoption stories that I ever get to hear within the church and in the world are those moments that a church comes around a family to help them turn a house into a home for a child, to welcome a child into a home and into a community. Adoption is more than just a family choosing a child. It's an opportunity for a family and a church and a community to invest deeply in a life and to let a child be known for who they were created to be and for what they were created for. Likewise, Ephesians teaches us that part of the significance of adoption into God's family is that we get to experience the life that God longed for us to have the most. We who were once not redeemed get to experience redemption. We who were once not forgiven get to experience forgiveness. We who did not know the purpose for which we were created before the beginning of time now get to know and understand and walk in our purpose. And in an instant, our entire life and our status changes. So while adoption might just feel physical, it has these deeply spiritual elements for both us and for children. There's both the obvious change and then there's this opportunity for interchange and an invitation to a peace that runs even deeper. And finally, adoption is transformational. In Ephesians, we're told that because of this adoption, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when we heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. See, Christ's adoption, it's transformed us in such a way that we now display the glory of Christ. And we've been promised a forever family and a glorious future, the life we long for most. And in the same way, adoption transformed not only 10 or 15 or 18 years of a kid's life, but the rest of their future lives and the lives that they touch as a result, the stories that surround them. It's not just a commitment to raising a kid, but it's helping to write the story of God in the life of another person, to helping them understand who they were created by and what they were created for. And it's an invitation to display to the world the sacrificial giving and choosing love of God. As Christians, because adoption is our history and our present reality, we're invited to continue God's legacy. For all of us, this means that we're invited to recognize our status as God's children and to be ambassadors of that status and inviters into God's family. And for some of you, it means that you already have or you will pursue the adoption of a child. But for those of us for whom we don't feel called primarily to physical adoption, we are invited to come around and support families and kids. 
I love the way that Russell Moore puts our responsibility in his book, The Storm-Tossed Family, how the cross reshapes the home. He says, the truth is though, that there is no such thing as a Christian without children. You are a part of the church, the household of God, a household into which in every generation, God brings children. You either treat those children as a part of your responsibility, as a part of the body of Christ, or you will treat those children as, at least as far as you are concerned, orphans. This does not mean that every Christian is responsible to teach Sunday school, but it does mean that children are a sign of God's blessing. And if you are in Christ, that blessing is around you, whether you bear children biologically or not. You see, for each of us, NCC, I mean that for each of us, no matter your stage or your marital status or whether or not you have biological kids of your own, every single one of us in this church, we are invited to walk in this holy journey of adoption. We are invited to come around and to support and to love and to pray and to care for kids. You see, one of those families in our church that we're able to come around are the Andersons who shared their story with Sam. Mm -hmm. 